fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. Hey, welcome to the program. Glad you're here. We, uh, we have, we've got a little uh, update on Miley Cyrus and her cake licking for uh, abortion. What is happening now with the 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 death culture in the Netherlands? They just euthanized a 17-year-old because she was raped and it was causing her too much mental anguish. So they killed her at her request. It's unbelievable. The uh, media is starting to turn now on Joe Biden. What a surprise. Apparently he's not socialist enough for them, at least at this point. And I have to tell you the story about the guy who was driving to the lottery office to pick up his $50,000 check because he had picked his lottery uh, numbers by using a fortune cookie. Well, it turns out he won a little more. Details on him in one minute. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Well, security researchers recently discovered hackers have breached an analytics service with an open source project modifying files to embed malicious codes on over 4,600 websites. So that's no big deal. Hopefully you haven't gone to one of those websites. The malicious code can log content users' information into data fields secretly and then sends the information to a server located in Panama. But what could go wrong? Your information is, I mean, very well could be already on the uh, on the Internet, the dark web, for sale or in use. And... You're just not going to be able to follow all of these things, and you shouldn't have to worry about all these things. You're not an expert in it. I'm not an expert in it. But LifeLock is. They were the first in the business, and, and they are the best in the business. Nobody can you know, prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But they are the ones that have been leading the way for decades, and they will see the threats that you might miss on your own. So if you order today, you're going to get 10% off your first year if you use the promo code BECK. So call them now at 1-800-LIFELOCK, 1-800-LIFELOCK, or use lifelock.com, promo code BECK, and get 10% off now at lifelock.com. So just uh, leading the life of luxury, the swinging bachelor. I'm on my uh, on my way as a uh, swinging bachelor who is married. Uh, on my way, driving to the uh, the lottery office to pick up my fifty thousand dollar check. Now this is what this guy in North Carolina was doing. He he said he was. He went to play Powerball, and his granddaughter had given him a fortune cookie, and on the bottom of the fortune cookie were numbers. So he decided, you know what? I'm going to play those numbers. And so he did. Somehow or another, when he was on his way to pick up what he thought was $50,000, it turns out it was a little more. And as he's looking at the numbers, now he doesn't watch TV, he says, so he doesn't pay attention to any of this. Um, and he saw as he, I guess, as he was driving, uh, he saw the numbers for the Powerball and he realizes, I think I won more. Now he didn't know how much he had no idea. He just played Powerball. He didn't know what the jackpot was. Nothing. His, his granddaughter just given him some numbers. So he just played it. 
So he's on the way and he calls up the office and he's like, you know what? I, I think I have. I think I have all of the numbers. I was coming in to pick up 50,000. I think it might be more. I think I have all of the numbers. And they said, uh, yeah, you do. And he said, wow, how much is it worth? How much is it worth? Uh, they said, well, more than 50,000. It's uh, $344 million. Quote, he said, quote, dang, I got them all? <laughs> I love that. He said he called his, uh, he called his wife and said, you ain't going to believe this, but I got it all. Now he says he hopes that the windfalls don't change him. He's going to give a million dollars to his brother. I mean, how about something for granddaughter? I mean, she was the one that brought you the cookie. A uh, million dollars to his brother uh, to make good on a deal. Apparently they made donate to charities, yada, yada, yada. Uh, he took the lump sum of two hundred and twenty three million dollars. He said, uh, I'm still going to wear my jeans. Just maybe I'll wear some newer ones. <laughs> I think it's fantastic. I don't understand, though. If you were if you win fifty thousand dollars, I think that does that mean you've won. You've hit five or you know, I don't know. I don't know how many numbers you've hit, but you've hit a lot of the numbers. Right. Aren't you sitting there staring at that thing a hundred times when you've hit for $50,000 to check it and you miss the fact that you won $300 million? Well, maybe, maybe it was the Powerball number that he didn't check because he wasn't, he's not a lotto player. He's not, he wasn't playing it for the Powerball. He just, you know, probably went into a convenience store, put those numbers in and just saw, oh, wow, I got the five right and didn't, I I don't know. I I don't know how that happens. Yeah. But he, he, he wasn't playing it. You know, to win the three hundred and forty-four million, he did, he had no idea how much it was worth. That's incredible. That's a good day. Yeah, it's a type of thing that if I'm working at the lottery, uh, you know, the headquarters, and someone calls me and says, "I think I won fifty thousand dollars," but I'm looking at the numbers, I think I'm, I have them all. What I say is, "Come directly to my desk, and I will give you the fifty thousand dollars in exchange for the ticket, and exactly. then you need to leave immediately." Just ask for me. Yes. Don't go to someone ask else because they might do so. You don't know what's going to happen. It's you very can trust sketchy me. around here. Yeah. <laughs> and then you take the you give them fifty grand somehow. I might give them fifty one. Yeah, we're giving you a tip. Yeah, 51. I just want you to know you're getting a great deal here. And he walks out. <laughs> you turn it in three hundred forty four mil. Yeah, that's the way to play that. I think I'd still Although, take the lump sum because they the officials might be coming to look for me. So I take the lump sum. Can and when we, I say I, it would be somebody else yeah. not related to me that would show up for the check. I'm why, just saying. Why do we sit here every time and talk about it as if it's $344 million when it's really $223 million? Why, Well, it's they, not even. Wait, wait, wait. It's not even that. It's you not can even take that. the 344 over 20 years or whatever. Right. Um, it's just a silly, you know, like, yeah, well, we'll give you. First of all, almost everyone takes the lump sum, uh, which there's some question about whether that's a good idea for some people. Uh, I think most people. Yeah, I mean, uh, there, there's, there's been some because it's always been statistically you should take the three hundred, the two hundred twenty-three million because you could it pays off in the long term. But they see the way that people use it, and it's like maybe you should be guaranteed a payment next year. Maybe that's a good thing. In nineteen years, you're still there's still a payment coming in. Uh, I think that's uh, there's a question about that one. I think if I believed in if I believed that money and these and these states and lotteries and everything else would actually stand, yeah. Then I probably would take it over time. It would be stupid to do it, but I would probably take it over time because I'd be like, I don't know. I mean, I want something left for my kids. I mean, right. you know, two hundred fifty right. million dollars. I could see myself going, what? It's only fifty million dollars. You know, 
five times, six times. Right. Someone's going to scam you into a real estate investment that doesn't yes. exist. Right. You know? Yes. Uh, but I mean, I just, they always say this 344 million. It's like, let's be honest about it. It's 223 million. Well, if you want to take it over a very long period of time, you'll get a, a interest essentially. Right. Like, well, but again, you have to also factor in inflation and all those other things. A payment in 20 years is a lot different than a payment today. Well, but let's be real. I mean, why do we say it's two hundred and twenty three million dollars yeah. when it's actually about one hundred and twelve? That's true. Where does he live again? He lives in North Carolina. Okay. Yeah, that's not you're going to lose a lot. You're going to lose You uh, lose about half you well, have a 40 percent. Yeah. At the end of the day, you're going to lose around half of it. Right. And then, of course, every time you spend it, you lose more. And uh, this is a depressing story. Now. It is. Yes, You've we've ruined this it. Story. <laughs> we've ruined- <laughs> we had a we had a happy grandfather who had retired. You know, this he, guy's he, life he, is over. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, I'd hate to be you, Jack. I hope you can buy a nice coffin with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I tried to start. Look at he wrecked it. Yeah, okay, I, let me try this. Okay. Let me try this. Here's a guy that should not win the lottery. Tracy Morgan. The comedian? Yes. Okay. Okay. Who would have thunk that Tracy Morgan (laughs) would go out and buy a new Bugatti? Okay. But he bought a new Bugatti, Mm -hmm. and it was $2 million. And he bought it at Bugatti in Manhattan. Now, here's your (laughs) first. He's not shopping around for the lower-priced Bugatti, apparently. Um, Now, here's the thing. If you're buying a Bugatti, don't live in Manhattan, what are you going to do? You're going to drive it three and a half miles an hour? Right. And stop and go traffic with giant potholes and people, you know, hitting, you know, in the, <laughs> hey, back up. I'm going to ride away here. I mean, it's not a pleasant place to be with any car. It sucks to drive there anyway. Yeah. A Bugatti, I can't imagine, especially with that, like that gigantic engine. We're talking a thousand horsepower in that thing, trying to do a manual shift going around, you know. 44th street like that's you know, not a it's good... just ridiculous yeah, yeah. it's just ridiculous okay so um he 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 was driving his car for about 10 minutes in manhattan he just closed your eyes because you know what's coming oh, what did he do 10 minutes nothing a woman in a late model honda crv <laughs> tried to make a right turn from the left lane and crashed into his bugatti and scraped it and grated against uh. the entire side okay he gets out of the car and he's like what were you thinking she was like i, I don't know he's like this is i've had this car for 10 minutes <laughs> and it's a bugatti Oh, I'm sorry. Looks pretty. What does that mean? It's a $2 million car. Oh, my gosh. So he literally had it for about 30 minutes from the time he drove off the lot and signed the deal. 30 minutes total before she took and just destroyed his Bugatti. (laughs) She's got insurance, though, right? I mean, uh, she's got liability insurance. Surely that will cover. I'm sure that will cover the $1.89 million car. Oh, God. It's One point. Oh, I know. It's a convertible. So it's, it's, it's not only it's used. So you got to expect some dings. Uh, it's used. So that's why it was $1.8 million. This was, this was <laughs> cheap for the Bugatti because it's a convertible, which apparently is very rare. Very rare. Right. 
And so he's driving it for the first 10 minutes. I think I think that's worse than the worst lottery winner. I mean, because that just shows how stupid you are. Don't buy a Bugatti well, in Manhattan. Especially if you're Tracy Morgan, who should stay out of all automobiles. Right? Like, the, he was the guy who... He almost died in a massive car crash. Like, his... Why are you even... Get it? You should live in I the city. I remember that. Oh, my... Yeah, that's his whole... That's the... You know, he was... You know, because he did Saturday Night Live, and he was on 30 Rock, right? Yeah, like, yeah, he yeah, had, yeah. like, you know, a bunch of stuff, and he almost got killed. It was in, uh, I think, 2014-ish. Oh, wow. And he was almost oh. killed in a giant wreck. It was on the New Jersey Turnpike. And... Uh, get out of that area! Yeah, get... Leave. Get Tra- out of here's, that area! Here's, a, here's an idea. Iowa... Okay, Kansas. Here's an idea. Subways. If you're going to live, gonna live there, take a subway. It's a scary thing when the subway is the safe alternative. I'm telling you, we <laughs> lived we lived in New York for a while. The last thing you want is a nice car. What you do is you just go buy a junker. Because I literally saw, I literally saw a car take the bumper, the front bumper off of a taxi cab. At, at about mm, 65 miles an hour on, I think it was, I think it was like 42nd Street. And it's just bare. It was like two o'clock in the morning and I'm walking down the street and I see this car. There's nothing. It's all green lights. And I see this, this, uh, this car. It was actually the reverse. It was a car and a taxi cab came up behind it and this car was just you know an out-of-town person like i don't know 42nd street i'm trying to find 41st where is that do i take a left (laughs) and so it's just puttering down the street and this cab comes and it just clips it it's it's got to be going 60 70 miles an hour and it just clips the front of this car and the bumpers catch on each other and it pulls the bumper off the other car. And so now the bumper is just kind of like spinning in the middle of the road. The guy in the cab didn't even tap on his brakes. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's Manhattan, okay? You buy a crappy car yeah. and you park it. And when you come back and it's like burned to the ground and everything is gone, you're like, huh? And you move on. Right, exactly. You just move on. You go to walk down the street in New York, you'll see those little rubber like things that you put in your trunk and they hang over your bumper because you your bumper gets hit randomly so often right that you people just protect when they park they put a little piece of rubber just hang over there so hopefully the car gets bounces off and you just need like a damage. you need nerf you just need a nerf car yeah you know just just take a piece of crap and then take a bunch of nerf footballs and just tape them all around your car and you have a chance that when you get out of new york you still have a really crappy car with tape marks where you had all and that's good (laughs) that's a good way to get out of new york with your car bugatti all right well let me tell you about um Let me tell you about Norton Security. Uh, Norton Secure VPN is now available, and a VPN is a virtual private network. And you you know what one of these are is because every time you've ever watched Benji do anything when he's on an impossible mission with the impossible mission force, uh, Benji is always using a VPN. That's why they can't trace him. They never know where he is. Um, A VPN is really good. Not, you know, not if... You don't have to be an international spy. Uh, what you have to be is somebody who is sick of Facebook and Google tracking everything you do. Uh, you have to be somebody who just doesn't want people to come in and steal the stuff off of your 
uh, computer because you're really, in effect, not using your computer. You're using a virtual private network. And so they can't they can't really trace it back. And uh, it's good for security. Good for your security. This is something that everybody now thinks, well, I don't have a problem with that. And you will. You will. Maybe you don't buy it today, but you're going to buy it in a year or two. You're going to have one. Everyone's going to have one because you have to. If you're smart, you get one now. A Norton Secure VPN. Now, protection starts at about $3.33 a month. Just head to Norton.com slash VPN. That's Norton.com slash VPN. 10 seconds, station ID. This is the Glenn Beck program. I'm really looking forward to talking to uh, Laura Logan. Yeah, that'll I be really like her. She's she's saying some pretty interesting things. I mean, uh, you know, this is a you know highly respected journalist who sixty minutes, sixty minutes, and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and lately, has been saying some things a little critical of the world of journalism uh, to the point to where it's sad. It's really sad that she looks almost crazy for saying it only because you're looking at her going, you're not going to survive. How are you going to survive? You know, she is she is so blunt and so straightforward um, and the, exactly the kind of journalist all journalists should be. But that is so rare now. It makes it she looks like a solar flare, you know? Yeah. It just looks like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What's happening over there? And all she's saying is, I don't know, maybe we should check the facts. <laughs> maybe maybe we, not be biased maybe against not be one biased. party. Or at least admit our bias. Yeah. Well, she just did some reporting uh, on the border. And uh, was showing that maybe things are more of a crisis than the rest of the media seems to think that they are. I can't wait to talk to her about that. Yeah. Because I mean, she was there. She did, I think, uh, she she's working with Cheryl. She did some reporting for Cheryl Atkinson's mm-hmm. uh, show. And, uh, you know, went into real depth on the border and what was going on down there. And, uh, you know, it's, of course, a totally different picture than what everyone else is showing. And Isn't it amazing that there are two women, both, I think, from CBS? That's right. Yeah, Cheryl was from C- uh-huh. CBS, too, wasn't uh-huh. she? Yeah. And they were both really credible national reporters. And still International. Are. And still are. Mm-hmm. But, no, I mean for CBS, though. And she was on 60 Minutes. Laura was on 60 Minutes, which, you know, that was the pinnacle. You got to 60 Minutes. You were certainly credible or Oprah Winfrey. She was CBS News's chief foreign affairs correspondent for 13 years. Wow. Uh, that's uh, not... That's and not, look not, how she's being treated now. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, you know, I, this is what happens when you break... When you break... I mean, you know, she's always been a good reporter, though. I mean, it's not like uh, anything Anything is new. Look at this. I mean, looking at these... Uh, this list of awards it's like half a page you know she was she was uh very highly respected and 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 all and i, I think still is but she's just now now that she's taking on her, her industry you know that support is going to erode quickly right you're not you're just not supposed to say things it's like you know it's like that you know every media source would be critical of the thin blue line right like that mm-hmm. you're not supposed to say you're not supposed to talk about that well this is the same thing that journalists have right they all close ranks i mean the fact that you, you saw them closing ranks around this ridiculous daily beast report the other day where they came out and they were like hey this day laborer from new york city let's ruin his life uh, because he posted the nancy pelosi slightly slowed down video 
and they went and did an expose on his life and showed his picture and said all the jobs he's had and seen it, and highlighted his uh, in, uh, relationship troubles and his criminal uh, brushes with, with the law and on and on and on and on, just trying to destroy this guy's life at any cost. Unbelievable. Like he's, you know, look, I'm sure, you know, I don't know, other than what I read in the report, I don't know anything about the guy, but he does not seem like um, a, a power player in the United States. And the fact that he he posted a video slightly critical or mocking of Nancy Pelosi, one of the most powerful people in the world. And then he's the one getting the expose about him. Not Nancy. Nancy, no one no one you know, no one questions anything she does. Just is she going to impeachment fast enough is about the hardest question she's ever received. And instead they go and they do this expose of this poor guy who's a day laborer in New York City. Uh, and again, imagine the reverse, an African-American day laborer here uh, that the left can go after. Imagine if conserv- some conservative media source was outing African-Americans uh, who are powerless in our society. What, you know, then we get plenty of reporting on it. You're not supposed to do that. I mean, and reporters rallied around the Daily Beast guy saying, oh, this is absolutely valuable information about this guy because we might be able to hire him for $8 an hour next week. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's ridiculous. So you're not supposed to do this, and yeah. Laura's doing it. And uh, she will be joining us in about 30 minutes. Laura Logan uh, on the program. You're listening to Glenn Beck. Okay, out of all the things you have to worry about, what, what, what do you really have to worry about? I mean, you, you've got a laundry list of things to worry about. The biggest thing I worry about are my kids. I worry about my kids. I worry about, you know, what their life is going to be like. I, and, and then you have all these other things that you worry about. What's going to happen with the election? What's going to happen with this? What's going to happen with my job? Uh, what, what are my kids even looking at on the Internet, et cetera, et cetera? Do you know most Americans over terrorism, mugging, any when it comes to crime, most Americans are worried about somebody breaking into their house. Take this one off your plate, man. This is so easy. Simply Safe has taken all of the reasons you may not have home security off the table. You can install it in less than uh, less than an hour. You never have to sign a long-term contract or wait for an installation window. You're never going to talk to a salesman. You're going to get all kinds of benefits. It's $14.99 a month, and you get a free security camera when you order right now. Go to simplysafebeck.com. Take control of your life and get this worry off your plate. Simplysafebeck.com. Welcome to the program, Mr. Pat Gray from Pat Gray Unleashed, the podcast that you can hear and download anywhere you hear a podcast. Hello, Pat. Hello, Glenn. So you are, you are unleashed about... Uh, well, I, I, I was kind of interested in <clears throat> the fact that uh, Lou Dobbs is calling out Republicans uh, for being traitors because they're not supporting uh, Donald Trump's tariffs. And I thought, when, since when are Republicans traitors for being free trade people? What time did that monologue happen? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you yeah. know, I, they're cowards and traitors, and they are uh, committing suicide and bringing down the country with them. Well, I mean, I will say that Lou Dobbs has always been a tariff guy uh, from back in the day. I mean, I, he was never been a conservative. I no, mean, I, no. but he's always been a big tariff, big tariff guy, guy, going back to his years at CNN. But he and knows the, for a fact that Republicans have not been tariff. No, people. of course. How do you not at least include that in the analysis? I know. Right? I mean, he it, doesn't. He doesn't. No. He doesn't 
bake that into anything. It's been the exact opposite if, position of every one of these people that's been elected for the past 50 years. And, mm-hmm. you know, of course, obviously the pro-union left has been the ones asking for tariffs all this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're talking, they say now the the tariffs as as requested mm-hmm. by Trump, if, if implemented, and again, we hope this is a... Which ones? The ne- Mexican? The Mexican tariff? ones. Okay. Just mm-hmm. the Mexican ones. If implemented, and we hope it's a negotiation, we know how this stuff works, because, uh, you know, Trump threatens these things, and hopefully they don't come to pass. But if they do, it would be the largest tax increase in 35 years. Wow. Really? That's a big number. Yeah, yeah it is. Now, of course, that That's is on crazy. top of other tariffs. In addition, it's on top of a big tax cut, right? So it's it doesn't mean that we, when he started to when we would be here, would be the biggest tax increase. But from where we are right now... To the end of these Mexican tariffs would be the biggest tax increase in 35 years. And I just don't, oh I don't know why, you know, again, wow. like this is, I know something he believes and it's something that, you know, conservatives have disagreed with the entire time I've been alive. But, 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 but until now, until now that, that they have all fallen apart. They, I mean, the arguments have completely fallen apart. We won that one. We won that one. Even the Democrats were against tariffs, you know, I mean, it was. Mm-hmm. It was not some. It was old think, and and you know I'm 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 happy to see. Um, first of all, aren't tariffs something that the president needs the Senate for? No, I mean tariffs. So he's going to do it. The way he's going to do this is interesting, and and one another reason why it's going to be a problem. He's basically going to have to do another emergency declaration. To get the tariffs through. Now, we know we had an issue with the last one, and a lot of our listeners did as well, and that, like, we really think the border is a big deal. We really want the wall, but, like, is this the right way to do it? Yeah. If you remember, a bunch of Republicans voted against him on that, just not enough to get to override the veto. Here, you have a, a serious uh, issue where apparently in the meeting, there were no people, no senators on Trump's side. In the meeting, when it comes to when it came to the tariffs, and this is something that should go through Congress, but he's trying to circumvent that process again. And, well, well, he, I mean, sort of, yeah. I mean, because again, like trade authority in the Constitution is Congress. Yeah, it's supposed to be through Congress. Right. Congress gave a lot right. of this authority to the president. However, the president has to justify it. So to justify it, his his approach here is going to likely be. And we don't know for sure. He hasn't released this certainty, but this is what the White House, White House sources are saying is that he would go, have to go through another emergency declaration, which would either be amending the one that already exists or creating a brand new emergency uh, declaration. So, again, the Congress would have a chance to override it. There is no evidence that Republicans would stand up to him to the numbers to, to get to 67 votes. And this also includes the House would have to also get to two thirds. There's no evidence on any issue that they they would stand up to Trump on that. So, I mean, like they they, most of this is them just talking a big game. They want to say they're trying to hopefully influence Trump before these things go into effect. Maybe they can move him. Maybe they can delay them. These are the games that they play. In reality, is the Republican Congress going to over overturn a veto from Donald Trump on anything? I think the answer to that is no. I don't, especially they all now. talk a big game, but they they're not going to do that. And like, you know, a lot of the stuff they shouldn't be overturning. Trump's done a lot of really good things. This one in particular, though, has been against the philosophy of the party for at least 50 years. So the, I mean, the, the, the problem is, is that you you uh, Donald Trump is under such attack right now uh, and has been the whole time that anything that even sounds like you're against him, it, you're immediately tossed to the side. 
Yeah, I, that's true. There's, you know, I came out for mm-hmm. Justin Amash just just to say I think he's a good guy and I think he believes in the Constitution. Which You're is, against which is all true. I'm, by ag- the way. Right. Yes. I'm against mm-hmm. impeachment and what he said about impeachment, mm-hmm. and I'm against him running in 2020. That doesn't seem to matter. No. Not to Breitbart or anybody else. They're just saying, "Oh, Glenn Beck wants impeachment." No. No, are, are you on the Trump train or on or not? Well, All how, we're saying, I don't know. maybe I'm not on anybody's is, train. I'm Justin, not on anybody's train. Justin Amash is a solid conservative. Yeah. He's, He's a solid pro- conservative. He has his problems. He has some things that I disagree with. You know, when yeah. it comes to Israel, et cetera, et cetera, I disagree with those things. But I'm fine with that. You, we should mm-hmm. disagree with things. I mean, we we can't. You'll never be in lockstep with everybody. But that doesn't mean. But that he's got a hundred percent rating from Freedom Works. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I know. I know. I know. Yeah. So to to throw, we can't mm. throw people away like this. We can't throw people away. We're eating our own, and we're seeing this happen now. Do you see how they are just coming after Joe Biden? Yeah. Oh my God! Yeah, today oh, there was a yeah. bunch of news stories about it. Plagiarism, and he's oh. lying about the civil rights marching, he is. and all of that. There was the editorial that came out about how you know we need a JFK, we need a younger guy with vision. <laughs> this is yeah. We don't need another Hillary Clinton. I mean, they <laughs> yeah. are coming after him. They also dug up a when he was 29 years old and running mm-hmm. uh, that he used all these attacks of against about his opponent, old how old he was. Yeah, like, like you know. <laughs> They're like, oh, my opponent was fighting polio. I'm fighting. You know, like, 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 like it's totally ridiculous. And he wound up winning the race by, I think, 3,000 votes. It was a very close race. Uh, but yeah, they, I mean, look, you expect a field of 24. They realize he's ahead. The latest polls have him, his lead shrinking a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see if any of this stuff 32 works. 32 18 is the last one I've seen. Still a nice big lead. Still, he's still 14 the, points. It's his to lose, right? He, yes. If he was a great candidate. Then, which he's not. Which he's not. He's a terrible candidate. He loses, you know, I mean, he's lost every time he's tried to run for president mm-hmm. and really been buried, you know, the yeah. other two times. Yeah. If he if he has a chance, I mean, this is his chance to win. He walks in here as a, with a massive lead. He's got a field of 20, 24 people, 17 of which are at zero or one percent. So, I mean, there is not a lot like the field feels really big, but there's not a lot of competitors there. Even when they when he came out for their pet project uh the climate change stuff yesterday mm-hmm. they bashed him on that because that he, that was plagiarized he didn't give credit to the person who wrote that bill did aoc have to put up with that when she no. released Green no, they New don't, deal? but they don't believe no. him on that they want a a hardcore socialist yeah they do you know they want yes, did you do. see what aoc said yesterday about uh, about uh your right to a profit yeah yeah that it's not a right before Jeez. your privilege of profit comes the right to everyone having a decent house. She's frightening. She's terrifying. But the people, you know, behind her are the same people behind Bernie Sanders. And they're the same people behind, you know, pretty much all of them. Uh, except for Joe Biden. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Biden, I, I read, mm-hmm. read a very sad article the other day about how the relationship between Biden and Obama... And that, like, Obama apparently, you know, encouraged him pretty strongly not to run in 2016 mm-hmm. because they, you know, it was Hillary's thing and she's the one that's going to do this and blah, blah, blah. So their team really came at him. And, of course, he was going through his the death of his son. So mm-hmm. he found a way to not run, essentially. Mm-hmm. And, of course, like, you know, and who regretted knows? it. Yeah. Who knows what would have happened, obviously. Yeah. Um, now, 
there's been these conversations, you know, you have people, a lot of the Obama people have moved on to other campaigns. They're working for other candidates. Obama is not coming out and, and uh, endorsing mm-hmm. anyone. Mm-hmm. He's just kind of hanging back and he's helped. He has helped. And this is a big thing. He did give the 2012 email list to Joe Biden, which is huge. I huge. mean, as far as fundraising and everything else. Mm-hmm. So it's not like there's been no cooperation, but like there's just, no, this, but he's not, he's not, yeah. he's not supporting him. Yeah. It's sad. other than the email list. Because yeah, Obama they, can't. Obama is looked at as. Well, I don't think he wants almost, to either. I don't think so either. But he's he's looked at on the left as almost a Glenn Beck. Now he is not <laughs> fashionable with them at all. No. He is not the guy who they look at him as like <laughs> you, you were kind of a traitor. <laughs> like I use yourself as someone who's unfashionable. No, <laughs> yeah. but I mean, he, look, Biden's still winning the primary. So I mean, it's no, not, I know that. it's not that unfashionable. But did you no, see? When, when, no, when no, they, I'm saying I'm saying Barack Obama. That Barack Obama is out of fashion with the left. Right, he's no longer because he's not a socialist. Well, Although I think he, I think he is. He has he's a, just, those tendencies. He had the opportunity. He wasn't a revolutionary. Yeah, but he's got a, a big. Yeah. I mean, his. You think about what is a picking a vice president? It is a one-person presidential election. You wrote Barack Obama got to select essentially his successor. Right? If something happens to him, who's the one person in the in the United States I want to be president? He picked Joe Biden. Now he's not endorsing Joe Biden. <laughs> it's pretty like, weird. I, like, it is it's amazing, right? And do you, do you guys see when they asked him about that, when they asked Biden, why isn't uh, Barack Obama endorsing you? I, I, I didn't want him to. Yeah. I, I asked him not to. <laughs> yeah. and, and then he said, and besides, he didn't, and then he stopped himself. Offer. But he, yeah, <laughs> he didn't want to endorse me, yeah. but I told him, no, I don't want your endorsement. I Look, I want to give the rest of these kids a fighting chance, and that would just make it too unfair. That's, that's ridiculous. I, it's it's asinine, I, and it, and it is ridiculous from Obama. The... Obama should be endorsing him. Yeah, he he made that he told us he stood in front of the American people and said, "Hey, if I if I get sick, if I get injured, if I if I he someone... can keep his doctor." No, no, not that. Oh, okay. you cannot keep your doctor. <laughs> but right. you, you can keep Joe Biden. If I have to leave office for whatever reason, the one person who should lead this country is Joe Biden. But I don't think anybody listened to that. Because if that was it, if I get sick, he followed it with, I can keep my doctor. <laughs> if I get sick, you can keep Joe Biden. We wouldn't have Obamacare today <laughs> if that was the promise. <laughs> So CarShield is our uh, sponsor this half hour, and I am, for one, thrilled that I have it. Um, I have I have used cars, and uh, there is nothing better than CarShield. When your warranty runs out, that's surprisingly when everything goes wrong. It's almost, now I know this is a conspiracy theory, but that's what I'm known for. It's almost as if our car companies... How long is the warranty? Four years? Okay, make that part to last four and a half years. I mean, it's just, it's almost that bad. And now you can't just go and replace things. Now a sensor goes and it's a thousand bucks. You need car shield. You can have your car repaired easily without any fear. All of the covered uh, stuff, you go in and if it's if it's part of the warranty, you don't have to worry about it at all. You can take it in to your favorite uh, dealer, or you can go to the, the, the real dealer and make sure that, you know, you got a Toyota, it's getting the Toyota service and everything else, because you're not paying for it. 
So 800-CAR-6000. Mention the promo code BECK. If you have a problem with your car, they have roadside assistance. They also have a rental car while yours is in the shop. And they pay them directly, so you don't have to wait for a check. It's carshield.com, promo code BECK. That's carshield.com, promo code BECK. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Hey, so uh, Chad Prather, I don't know if you know who Chad is. Uh, he is he is really good, really, really funny. He's a big uh, blogger and podcaster, uh, and uh, he's part of The Blaze. And he asked me to be on his show, and here's a little snippet of the new podcast that is out today from Chad, uh, from Chad Prather. Uh, it's on kids and their devices. I hate it when I see it with my kids. And I, I just, it makes me so sad when I see, especially when grandparents are at the table and the kids are on their devices. I mean, those stories, we didn't want to hear those stories either, most of them. Yeah. We were forced to sit there every Christmas and don't get up from the table and you listen to the stories and the family's talking, we're having dinner, sit down. And you sat there and you listened to them and you know them because you heard them over and over right. and over again. But that is part of the that's part of the process. Yeah. And now my, my kids, my my wife's parents came down. They have the greatest stories. When I met her grandmother, her grandmother was from uh, her grandmother's mother was from Italy. And there's still the talk with your hands. Half of it is in an Italian kind of family. Okay, right. when 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 my wife first said to me, um, we were dating. She said, you know what? Let's just come over. Go, go over to my house or your house. Do you have stuff to make spaghetti? And I said, oh yeah, sure. Came over. I'm on the phone, and she's in the kitchen, and she's reading this label of ragu. And and puzzled, and she's holding a pan and the ragu. And I said, what's wrong? And she said, I just opened this and put it in a pan, and that's it? And I'm like, yeah. That was the last time we ever had right. ragu or any kind of processed uh, spaghetti sauce. Uh, so she's from that family. And I'm sitting with her grandmother one Christmas, and we're sitting at the table, and we're the last two to get up. And I said, how did the family get over here? And she said, well, I'll tell you the story of my, my mother. She said, uh, my mother was, my father was a very bad man. And I had kind of heard about this, that he had died early, but he was a, just a tyrant, a really bad guy. And she said, my father was a really bad man. She said, but my mother was just sweet. Now, this is Lena telling me this, and she's just this plump. She looks like one of those apple people, you know, yeah. you put the clothes for eyes, yeah. and then they just kind of sink in, and they become this soft little face. She's just this angelic woman sitting there, and she says, um, my mother knew that this man liked her. And had said for years, she's going to be my wife. And my mom and my mom's family wanted nothing to do with him because we knew what he was like. Listen to the rest of this story. You can find it uh, at uh, at wherever you get podcasts or on Blaze TV. It's the Chad Prather podcast. This week it was just released uh, with me as the guest. You have to hear the end of that story. The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. 
This woman is from South Africa. She worked for Reuters over in South Africa, and then CBS News, and then ABC and NBC and CNN. She was, in 2002, she was on the battlefields all around the world as we were engaging in war. She was part of Face the Nation and the CBS Morning News. And then in 2006, she became the chief foreign correspondent for CBS News. And she held that job up until recently. But something has changed in her. And maybe it's just her freedom. She is able to say the things that nobody seems to be saying anywhere. Her name is Lara Logan. And she joins us in one minute. This is the Glenn Beck Program. All right. What, are you, what does your dad want for, uh, for Father's Day? And dads, what do you want, really? I mean, okay. Yes, steak. Beyond that, I'm just looking for things I can do with my kids. I'm just looking for things that bring my family together and, and help me out. 23andMe has something I think is really cool. We did this a few months ago, and I'm telling you, the kids, they waited. Is it here yet? Is it here yet? Are the results here? Every day. And I'm talking teenagers. Is it here yet? And we sat down. My wife did one. I did one. uh, And then we did one for my son, who's adopted. And we waited for those things to come in. And then we sat down for a couple of hours every night and went over them. It's the 23andMe Health and Ancestry Kit. And right now you can get $50 off it through June 17th. It, can, it will show you how your genes influence your well-being and your lifestyle choices. It also will show you the insights on your genetics uh, on, on a whole bunch of I mean, just amazing things like even fear of heights and mosquito bites, etc. Then it gets important with the wellness reports to help dad make the decisions about his health and the DNA, which shows you really where you're from. Yes, I am, what, 15 times more uh, Native American than Elizabeth Warren. And I've I didn't even I I've never used it to get into a school or get a job <laughs> that you tell us about that I tell mm-hmm. you about uh, right now. You can get fifty dollars off for Father's Day. Twenty three and me their health and ancestry quit get at twenty three and me dot com. That's the number two three and me dot com. Twenty three and me dot com slash back offer ends June seventeenth. Journalist and a profile in Courage, Laura Logan, joins us now. Laura, nice to yeah. m- nice to meet you and nice to have you on the uh, program. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Um, let's let's get right into what you're doing recently, and then I'd like to kind of open it up to uh, more broad on uh, on the media and what to expect and what we can what we can do to change things. But you've been down on our border. Uh, and strangely, you have a different report than what the mainstream media is giving everyone. Well, you know, to be honest, I don't watch uh, what the mainstream media is giving everybody, especially when I'm working, right? Because um, my job is, well, I'm focused on doing my job. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not too worried about what other people are doing. And a wise old correspondent told me many years ago that he, you know, every day he goes out and he does his best 
and he doesn't worry about his competition. And some days he's the best, and some days uh, he's not. So, um, but it's not surprising to me that it's different because I know where I go, um, people all the time along the border in all different capacities keep saying nobody is telling our story. Mm-hmm. Nobody is, is, is talking about this. Nobody's telling the truth. Of, you know, it's not that people are lying about the border. It's not that there's, it's just that there's more than one story. The only story is not simply a story of, you know, of, um, of poor people who want to move mm-hmm. to the United States to improve their lives. That is one part of the story, and it's a very important part of the story. And I can honestly tell you, I've had moments where, you know, I've been climbing into my, um, my basically my pretty uh, crappy bed in my pretty crappy hotel at night, and I've uh, just about wanted to cry thinking about the people who don't, um, don't even know, you know, the people I've seen with their children and all the rest of it. I mean, I've got a big heart, and that breaks my heart. Mm-hmm. But it's only one part of the story. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my job as a reporter has always been to understand the full context and cover as much of the story as I can, and that's all I'm trying to do. So there are there are the the sins of omission, and I think that's what people are committing yeah. by saying that this is the only part of the story. And you're right. Uh, I've been down at the border myself and, you know, we raised we raised money to bring, you know, food and comfort down to some of the children that were there in in uh, during the Obama administration. I tried to get the media to pay attention to the cages. Oh, you're not allowed to talk about that. Ken. I know, I know, I know. But it do, it doesn't happen, and and it it shows this real bias. And I I don't want to dwell on I've this. I've got one but, worse for you. Yeah. I've got one worse for you. I have actually spoken to people down there, right across law enforcement and border patrol, who actually talk about when in the in a certain point in the Obama administration, when they no longer wanted to deal with the deporter-in-chief title and the problem of all the children that they had in detention, basically in prison. Some people like to so-call that cages. Um, What did they do? Actually, Border Patrol agents then had orders where they would have to intercept people who they found coming over the border in certain parts, and they would have to escort them back down to the border and send them back. Don't apprehend them. Don't create a statistic. Don't create a problem for us. Let's just push you over the border then and pretend that this is not happening. Mm, <laughs> that was, I can't say how widespread that was. I can't say that it was everywhere, but I can tell you that it did happen, and more than once. So what is it that, you're, that people are saying, nobody's telling this story? What are the important stories that we're not hearing? Well, first and foremost, um, what, what people just leave out of the narrative is that this is almost like a theater. It's, not, it's a performance, not for the people who are living it, because they are, they are like their pawns. Um, it's a theater for the cartels. Yes, they make an enormous amount of money out of all the people that cross because they take most of the smuggling fees. They don't run the smuggling operations. They're way too smart for that. They have professional human smuggling operations, human trafficking organizations that are global who do the smuggling for them. But they pay most, uh, an enormous amount of what they earn. They pay that to the cartels. The cartels decide. The Mexican cartels decide who crosses, where they cross, when they cross. And so if you imagine you're a pilot and you can see the whole border from the air, um, that's really how the cartels operate. You know, it's divided up into the three main cartels now, the Sinaloa cartel, the Gulf cartel, and what used to be called the Zetas. That's now cartel de Nostre, del Nostre, but 
Um, those are the three main cartels that control the traffic. And the reason you have people coming in all these difficult places, one of the reasons, a big reason, is that the cartels know if they split the resources of Border Patrol, if, um, if you've got a group of five people or a group of ten people and they all run in different directions, how many agents does it now take to stop mm-hmm. them? You know, mm-hmm. so that's exactly what they're doing. They're splitting the resources. Pilots have described to me, for example, in parts of the border, seeing uh, groups of anywhere between 50 and 200 crossing at exactly the state at the same time at the crossing points, sort of, you know, 100 yards um, from each other. Right. So imagine in five different places separated by 100 yards and you have hundreds of people. So w- what does that do? In one tiny little, tiny little town on the border in uh, Texas, on the Rio Grande Valley, they have, they have border patrol facilities that are built to house a maximum of 116 people. Last weekend, they had over 1,100. Mm-hmm. Over 1,100 in one weekend, and they have people every single day. And that's just one weekend. This has been going on for months and months and months. So in these places where people get, um, you know, uh, people get told all the time, Texans, for example, Texans are a bunch of racist rednecks, right? And Texans don't care about people. Look, they don't recognize the children of illegal immigrants. Born in this Look at all the evil things people in Texas do. They put illegal immigrants under bridges in terrible weather to suffer. Well, literally, you've got Border Patrol agents looking at, at me with desperation saying, we don't know where else to put people. You've got um, churches in El Paso who the NGOs have run out of capacity, right? The NGOs that come from New York and other parts of the country that like to do interviews in the paper sometimes about everything they're doing down on the border, except they've run out of capacity. And um, it's the local people in many of these places who are um, trying to bear, you know, to help in some ways. And the other, you know, there's another really important thing that that um, gets left out of the narrative, which um, is that uh, the large majority of Border Patrol agents are Hispanic Americans mm-hmm. or Mexican Americans or whatever you want to call them. They're not, you know, it's not just um, these evil white men who are trying to um, stop people coming into this this country. It's not that at all. In fact, it's much more complex. And in some of these towns, the vast majority of the people who live there are Hispanic American. And, um, and, and you know, Texas itself has a history that's very much wrapped up in uh, Mexico. And the first president of Texas was Mexican. And when you look at the history here, these, these um, two people, they, you know, I'm not painting a picture of Nirvana. There's always issues between people. Mm-hmm. But it's very different to what people say it is from a distance. It's, the reality is, is not much like that at all. And I have, I have, um, I have yet to meet anyone who wants these uh, people to suffer or who is deliberately cruel to people. And, you know, my experience is limited to my experience, you know. But, um, but, you see, but, but, but I, I will tell you this. When you say these people are pawns, they are. They're being I, I feel horrible for them because if in, in, in some cases, not all cases, but in many cases, I think if I were on the other side of the border and I saw that America really didn't care about its borders and they were going to give away free citizenship and I could get my family there and my family doesn't we're living in a town that maybe has violence but doesn't have any real chance for my kids. You're damn right. I'd be over here. 
I would absolutely do it because I would think that America didn't really care and they were offering citizenship. So take that chance for my children to be able to have a better life that that they are. Those people are being preyed on by all these different groups that have all different agendas, including the drug cartels that are holding back some family members and saying, look, we're going to sell you this and we'll bring them over. You do us a favor. We'll do you a favor and then we'll send your your relative over. And I mean, we're importing people and enslaving people to to some of these drug cartels. Oh, no, we're doing the bidding of the drug cartels. Yes. Whether wittingly or unwittingly, that's happening. Um, And I can tell you, I can add to what you're saying, Glenn. How about if you were watching or listening to commercials on the radio, which tell you, Mm -hmm. go to America, you're going to get a house, you're going to get land, you're going to get a job, you're going to get this or that. And then add to that the fact that, you know, I mean, one of um, one of my most trusted, most uh, the person that I respect most in the world, my producer, Max McLaren, he went and did a story in a series of reports in Honduras. He was actually with a family when they said goodbye to their 15 year old daughter mm. and sent her to a better life in America. And you can imagine, right? I mean, he's a dad. He's got a daughter. I have two daughters and a son. I mean, what could be more heartbreaking than that? I mean, it's, it's really painful for me to even imagine being in that situation. But they don't even know if their daughter is actually going to a real job in America. There's so in much fact, sex it? trafficking. And you imagine sending your 15-year-old daughter into... Nobody you- does that unless they are absolutely desperate or they um, have no other options, right? Nobody... Mm-hmm. Nobody. I mean, the family, the, you know, the mother was sobbing, the father was crying, the daughter was crying. You can imagine. That's a very painful thing. So, but her chance, she has uh, a significant chance of being raped along the way. Oh, yeah. When people come from Latin America, they get to the first stash house inside of Mexico. People get raped at the stash houses. And then there's another stash house. You know, there's other stash houses all along the way, but right on the um, Mexican side, close to the border. And then more stash houses when you cross the border. And I've... Um, you know, I've been looking at, at doing stories on this. We have reports of different uh, people who get raped at, at every one of those locations along the way. And then, you know, but we still, we're still trying to find someone who has been through that to talk about it because these things are very difficult to cover. Yes. And also because, um, because, you know, it's very easy to tear these um, stories apart. This is, here, I have one for you. This is the only time in my career as a journalist, a professional, <laughs> where I have... Uh, looked at um, at the statistics of rape and sexual abuse, right? Trying to figure out, okay, how many, how prevalent is this? What exactly are the facts? How, what is the chance when you get on that journey that this is going to happen to you? How bad is it, truly, right? And in this case, um, <laughs> this is one case where the media, by and large, says, oh, you can't prove that this is happening. Oh, you know, yes, there was this MSF, Médecins Sans Frontières, the NGO, they did a big study on it, and they found that, you know, at least 30% of of the women um, making this journey get raped or sexually assaulted. But what do you have um, many journalists turning around and saying then? Well, they took a sample of people um, on their way to the U.S. in Mexico. They didn't, you know, take everybody, and they didn't take everybody from every different country. And so you get 15 reasons why the MSF statistic is not representative. Well, you know, isn't the standard, the way we normally in the media treat rape and sexual assault figures, is we always say it's the most underreported crime, don't we? 
Doesn't that sound familiar? Yep. And it's just a small, I'm only making, it's a small irony that I, that I noticed when I was researching this story. Yeah. I thought, wow, all my professional life, you know, wherever I've been, people have said that, uh, there's, you know, if that's the official figure, you can bet it's, it's going to be much more than that. Yes. Now here you have people actually defending human traffickers, defending cartels, defending coyotes who rape people and saying, well, you know, it's, we, we can't trust that so, figure uh, because it's not fully representative. So, Laura, I want to I want to break for a minute, uh, literally one minute, and then I want to come back and I want to ask you why? Why? How how is that happening that that intelligent people are are taking sides of monsters and they don't see it that way? Back in one minute with Lara Logan, uh, you can follow her at LaraLogan.com, LaraLogan.com. Sponsor this half hour is My Patriot Supply. Much of our nation's farmland remains underwater. Storms continue to rake the heartland, knocking out power repeatedly to millions. We have a farm. We have one crop in. We were lucky to get our crop in before the rain. Uh, Now, thank goodness, where our farm is, the sun has come out. Uh, But I don't know the other farmers, you know, in the area, a lot of them didn't get their crops in. They're going to miss one whole crop. You only have four a year if you're lucky. They've missed one. This is going to cause real problems, not just here, but all around the world. And this is happening around the world. Preparewithglenn.com will help you with any kind of any kind of problem. It doesn't have to be a big conspiracy theory. You know, they've got the FEMA is coming and body bag. Forget about that. Just the little things like running out of food because there's a snowstorm that is, you know, closed everything for three days. One week emergency food kit is totally reasonable and it's 50% off when you go to preparewithglenn.com. One week emergency food, preparewithglenn.com. Preparewithglenn.com because when breaking news is happening, it's too late to prepare. Do it now so you have that worry off your plate. 50% off right now. Preparewithglenn.com. 10 seconds, station ID. The Glenn Beck program talking to Laura Logan um, and Laura has just been down uh, on the border and you use the word irony a few minutes ago. Uh, that's the irony of it. And it feels wrong. That word might have been right maybe 10 years ago. Wow. How ironic. Now it's it's beyond irony. It's it's I, I don't I don't know how to describe it, but it is a real source of frustration and conflict i think with a lot of people because you can't truly expect me to believe you're this stupid that you don't see you're defending people who are crazy on the other side they're 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 drug traffickers they're human traffickers you're you're hurting people by by supporting this particular avenue how how do you why is this happening and and how do you look at this well, you know, the thing is, I try I try as much um, as I talk about the things I know to also not guess and speculate about the things that, to me, are unknowable. I mean, you're a talk show host, right? So you can talk about those things. But in my world... Um, I don't. I don't go on television and speculate, and which makes me a rare breed. I will say. <laughs> You're like two. 
<laughs> You're like two. But, but I'm old school, Glenn, and I, I think the really important thing for me that I want people to understand is I didn't invent the model of what it is to be um, an honest, independent journalist. I don't own it. I'm not the mm-hmm. only one. Mm-hmm. What what I am what I am disappointed by is to see, um, you know, to see the lack of critical thought and uh, the lack of independence and the lack of honesty um, in so much of what is reported out there today. What I can tell you in terms of why would people do this right now? Well, I mean, what I know as a fact is that when I look out there at I have looked at all the reporting. It's the same story over and over and over again. And it's a very, like I said, it's an important story, but it's still the same story. There's many other aspects of this that are not being covered. If I can go down to the border and border uh, patrol agents and churches and other people can tell me that they have to give young girls who, who they help, they have to give them codes so that when they get to where the, um, the human smugglers are taking them or where they're being sent by the traffickers, um, that they can call in and use this code and people will know that they are in trouble, that they're being trafficked, that they're being sexually exploited, that they're being, you know, that they're being badly treated. Hold on just a second. More with Lara Logan when we come back. You're listening to Glenn Beck. If you have a lot of pain in your life, I understand. I've got I got Stu to live with, uh, and unfortunately, relief factor doesn't take him away. I've I've tried throwing it at him. Uh, <laughs> everything it just doesn't make it go away. It hurts me, but right. it doesn't really make me go away. Uh, but you take relief factor and it'll make that hurt go away, uh, Stu. That's true. And the inflammation from my boss pelting me with things. That's something that Relief Factor might help with. It might, because it reduces inflammation, and that is uh, really the main source of our pain. When when things are inflamed inside of us, that's that's where pain comes from. we got to get Relief Factor to Amy Klobuchar's staff. We should. This would be very helpful. I think we should send very them a bag. Yeah. yeah. So it's Relief Factor. I know there's tons of people in this audience, veterans and everybody else, that you suffer with daily pain, and you might have tried everything else. Please try this. Try it for three weeks. If it doesn't work, stop taking it. It's 20 bucks to try it. 70% of the people who try it go on to order more and more. I've been taking it for about a year and a half, and it actually really, really makes a difference. It's Relief Factor. Go to relieffactor.com. Call 800-500-8384. 800-500-8384. Relieffactor.com. Get your life back. Laura Logan is an investigative journalist. Uh, she is uh, working... Uh, with um, Cheryl Atkinson's uh, group uh, for the next three months, just covering the border and what's really going on in the border. Uh, she's uh, she's with us now to talk about different things. And, and Laura, first, again, thank you for coming on the program. I'm a big fan of yours uh, and have, thank you, and have, uh, have great, a great deal of respect for you on multiple levels. Um, the, the thing that you said a minute ago, you said... Um, you know, Glenn, you're a, you're a, a radio guy. You're a talk radio guy, so you can comment on these things. Um, I'm a journalist, and there's a difference. That's one of the biggest problems with the media right now is I've never claimed to be a journalist. I don't. I, that's not what I do. I try to be fair, but I'm an opinion guy. And so yeah. I look at things, and then people come to me for what do you think it means uh, that's different than a journalist, and the journalists keep confusing that. Now, with that said, 
I do want to ask your opinion because I think you might have an interesting mm-hmm. perspective. You're from South Africa. You, yep. I'm sure you remember, you know, apartheid and on all of those. those I absolutely do. Yeah. Okay. We, and maybe it's just my naive, you know, American viewpoint, but I've never seen America like this before. Uh, I don't remember the 1960s, um, but I've never seen America like this before. And we are dividing ourselves into little teeny camps. And it feels like we are headed for real trouble. Do you you see anything that from your South African um, background that we Americans might be missing on like, hey, don't do this. Well, the first thing that I would say, Glenn, is, you know, I live in a small town in Texas and um, and I travel all over this country and I go to a lot of different places, sometimes big cities in California, sometimes small cities, I mean, small towns in California and from California to Oklahoma to Seattle, Washington, you know, to anywhere. And I'm not so sure that we really are that divided. I, I look to the media and I look to the politicians and I look to the propagandists for pushing this narrative over and over and over again. And, you know, there's something that I've seen happen all over the world. Look at Syria, for example. When Assad first started slaughtering his own people, he said he was fighting terrorists. Today, and for a long time now, he has been fighting terrorists, right? Because they were smart enough. They knew what would happen when they did what they did. They knew that there were terrorist groups right in that region and within their own country who would rise up and exploit that situation. And, um, and they, now he's telling the truth, except it's not the whole truth. And I feel that way about where we are. This is my, this is my personal opinion. This is not my um, observations. It's, um, as a journalist, it's my observations um, as a professional and as a thinking person who is able to, um, se- you know, part of my job is to separate from the emotion mm-hmm. and the ideology. I have to break things down, right? When I look at things, what are the facts? What do we know for a fact? What do I know for a fact? How do I begin to understand what has happened or here so that I can begin to put my name to this and tell people this is what I believe happened. This is what I know happened because I've been able to independently verify it from firsthand sources, right? So that's why, for example, when the BuzzFeed dossier, you know, the the steel dossier came out. Mm -hmm. Well, that was a joke to me from the very beginning because as a journalist, it doesn't have any firsthand sources, number one. Number two, the sources it does have, which are second and third hand, were FSB agents working for the Russian right. government at the time, which is just a joke, okay? So not that the FSB, you know, or that intelligence agencies can't have information. They can, but you, t- you evaluate that in its context, right? And anyway, I could go down the list, but that's not an ideological statement for me, and it's not a political statement. Correct. It is to a lot of other people, but not, you know, for me, I break it down. So in South Africa, you know, There's two big things that I can tell you about. I grew up despising racism. Um, I saw people put to death for the color of their skin. And so I, I, you know, was forced to confront these issues very early on. And I don't believe in the death penalty because for me personally, the idea that you could put someone to death for the wrong reasons overwhelms all the considerations when someone deserves maybe deserves to die, right? And of course, the counter-argument instantly is, well, what if your daughter or your son or someone you loved was raped and tortured and murdered? Wouldn't you want them to die? Well, of course I would. But you know what I learned? That when you believe in a principle, you have to make personal sacrifices for those principles. They, they're they not free. As, as many people in this country know far better than me, 
freedom isn't free. And true tolerance, so in South Africa, you know, I really didn't have anything in common with or identify with the extreme right. I didn't identify with racism in any way. In fact, my entire life was defined by the stand that I took for equality and freedom and justice for all. You know, that the example that was set um, by the ANC the, and Nelson Mandela and all of the many leaders in South Africa that stood up for that, black and white, by the way. Um, so what I learned as a young journalist was I didn't get to say when there was an attack or a big event, I'm not going to go and talk to those evil right wing people who I despise because my job is to say to them, hey, why did this happen? What did you do? And I still have to put their perspective forward. It also doesn't mean as a journalist that when they said truly crazy lunatic things, when people on all sides said that to me, I didn't just put it out because I could put, you know, because I could CYA, right? I could cover my butt and I could say, well, this person said it, right? No, you actually had to evaluate those things in the context and you had to see whether there was anything credible in that person saying them. And if they were truly representative of whoever it was you were saying in your story, they represent it. And so there are subjective judgments in what we do all of the time as journalists, every single minute of the day. And I've never uh, shied away from that because I've been one of the few journalists who's stood up and said, you know, objectivity is uh, not a human quality. Subjectivity is, is our most human quality. To be objective, we have to we need um, systems and processes and um, we need things that we revert to that take us out of our most human instincts and force us to do things that are, that are not really um, natural for human beings. It's natural for us to have opinions. It's not natural for us to look at things from all different sides. It's natural for us to agree with the people we like. It's not natural for us to be as critical of the people we agree with as the ones we disagree with. So in a sense, objectivity is something that takes us outside of our nature, but it's not, an, it's not an, something that's completely beyond reach. And tolerance and being liberal and being open-minded and having an open heart, those things don't belong to any political force, in my view. Um, I, I just believe that if you're going to say that you are something, you have to be that thing. You have to, you have to stand up for that thing. You, otherwise, it's meaningless. Otherwise, they're just words. They're bumper stickers. We, you know, <laughs> there are a lot of bumper stickers out there today about being open and being tolerant and about being better people. And, um, and we're, we're boxing people into a very narrow space where we define what people should think. Someone else defines what we should think, what we should believe in, how we should behave, you know, and, and who we should associate with, and in every realm, how we should do those things. And I got to tell you, I was born free. Freedom lives within me. And there's um, the greatest example in my life that I've ever seen of this, and there are many examples, but the one that I was close to personally was Nelson Mandela. And when he stood on trial at the Ravonia trial, he was charged with terrorism, and the South African government, you know, was at its most powerful, and his family and friends begged him not to say what he had, the speech he had written for when he got to take the stand. And he went ahead and did it anyway. And in that speech, one of the things that he said is that freedom is an ideal for which I would like to live, but it is an ideal for which I am prepared to die. And that is the price he was willing to pay for the principle that he believed in. In fact, he was offered his freedom many times in the 27 years he was in prison, and he never took it because the compromise 
wasn't worth it. The compromise meant that the principle didn't stand. And, uh, and you know, I mean, what greater example can you ever have than a person who gave up their own personal freedom to live behind bars for as long as he did because he understood that the principle had to be intact. And so, I, you know, what I say to people today is I haven't changed. I haven't, I mean, yes, things about me have changed, but I don't change the way I do my job. I don't change the way I live my life. I live it with 150%. To, and do it to the best of my ability, and I go with an open mind and an open heart. I don't pretend I don't have prejudices or biases or feelings or emotions. I just try to put them in the right places and do my job the way um, every great journalist and every good journalist out there, every independent, honest journalist tries to do it. It's not unique to me. Oh, this is why I just love you so much. Uh, that is... I don't know what else you can say. I'm going to leave it uh, there. I would love to have you um, for a podcast and be able to spend a good uninterrupted uh, time with you because I people have to hear um, your words. And I mean, this is what exactly should be taught in journalism schools and should be said on the floor of every newsroom in America that you what you just said should be played for everyone and they should all just nod their head and go yep yep that's true uh because that's the way it is and that has no party or partisan politics in it and uh, i really no. respect you laura really respect no you. and i do my job no matter who's in power and i and i i just want to say to you thank you by the way for supporting me and for standing up for me and you know you have some you have some great people listening to your show one of them right now is very close to me and he was a pilot in vietnam and he's one of the best people that i've ever known in my life and and you have a lot of people that listen to you all the time and um and have talked to me about coming to do your show and and want me to do your podcast, and I said I would, and I always keep my word. Good. So um, I'm going to do that. I Great. promise. Laura, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. God bless. You can follow Laura Logan at lauralogan.com. Uh, She's also for doing a three-month expose on the border. You can find that at Sinclair Broadcasting. Laura Logan. So what we need to do is we need to understand where we came from. You know, what what are the principles? She was talking about principles. What are the principles that we were that we held up and said this is worth living for, this is worth dying for. We're going to take a cruise next year um and we're going to we're going to mix a lot of fun uh and vacation time with some real learning. So we're going to go to Venice. Uh, Venice is the place really that financed uh, the the Renaissance. And what did the Renaissance do? Reason, the age of reason came out of that. We're also going to go to uh, Athens and talk a little bit about democracy and a republic. What is the difference uh, between a straight up democracy and a republic? We're going to go to the land of the prophets and Jesus. And we're going to talk about faith and its principles. And we're going to eat a lot yes <laughs> a lot a lot we may sink the ship right uh, we may eat so much 
It goes underwater. Daniel Barton, Rabbi Lappin, Stu will be there. I will be there. Or David Barton. Daniel Barton will be there, too. He's a great guy. But David (laughs) David Barton Barton will be there as well. Rabbi Daniel Lappin. Mm -hmm. uh, Stu will be there. Yeah, and here's the thing. Once you get your fill of all the, like, really, like, smart stuff from Daniel Lappin and David Barton, then you come find me and we have fun. That's right. That's my role on this. He's kind of the Julie. Uh, of the old Love Boat series. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Is, okay. yeah. I'll take that. Uh, I don't know. Would I be Isaac? Because, I, I mean, I could make a good drink. And I don't drink, but I could make <laughs> a good go. drink. Uh, anyway, uh, Bill O'Reilly is also going to be making an appearance. Uh, the tickets are going really rapidly. Uh, get this is for spring of next year, spring 2020. You're going to need a break around that time. So join us. Cruise through history. Go to comesailaway.com for all the details right now and get your tickets to comesailaway.com. Go there now. That we were going to uh, draw a name uh, for if if people bought tickets to go to the museum yesterday, uh, that we would draw a name and we got it in a big Abe Lincoln hat. And the winner of the uh, personal guided tour by me uh, is from California. Uh, Janice Roca is the name. Janice obviously listening to us in California yesterday and uh, bought some tickets and now is going to get the personal guided uh guided tickets um it was uh janice has five people uh coming with her so it's gonna be fun it's gonna be fun and uh, just get a nap in because i tend to be a little long-winded uh just a little bit uh on the museum and this is going to be a great museum we were working on it last night uh some of the things that you've never seen you know when you think of museums sometimes you think of old crap uh, but th- this is some old crap, and I hate to use the word crap, seeing that you know some of it is belonged to Abraham Lincoln. Uh, but uh, there's also a lot of new things. We are we're using the experience of the American story of slavery uh, to show you that a it was global. Did you know that only four percent of the slaves that were shipped across the Atlantic came to America? Only four percent. Fifty percent, 50 percent of those slaves went to Brazil. I didn't know that. Did you know that Mexico stopped slavery just a few years before we did? They were actually number two. It was Britain, number one, then then uh, Mexico, and then we were number three. Except Mexico, it deserves a little asterisk. Mexico decided to end slavery. And then when they passed the bill to end slavery, it was okay, but you can keep your slaves for 99 more years. And nobody talks about slavery to Mexico. Nobody talks about the slavery in Brazil. But the important thing is, is that it is happening still today. And we're, we have some pieces from ISIS that will, ooh, you'll never forget. This is a great, great uh, museum that we've put together. It is 12 score and seven years ago, based on the Gettysburg Address. 12 score and seven years ago. How are we doing on that promise that all men are created equal? You can see this at the Mercury Studios, the end of uh, the last week of June into July, You're early July. To Glenn Beck. The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. Well, the good news is we're uh, we're eating the hot dog at both ends when it comes to life. You know what? Uh, that baby's not a baby until I say it's a baby. And 
life on the other end, it's not really a life if it's not worth living. Now, a bill legalizing assisted suicide reaches the governor's desk in Maine. Where is this all headed? Well, we could be more like Sweden and Denmark and the Netherlands. They're fantastic. Are they? Let me tell you the story of the teenager that was just euthanized. See if you agree with their decision to be tolerant and and help people out that are in pain. In one minute. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Okay, so I'm just going to take a quick poll of dads. How many would like uh, your family around the table uh, with big, juicy, yummy steaks? Raise your hands. Okay, except for Stu and people who don't like their family. Uh, everybody, uh, let me just say, how many just like to sit around the table with big, juicy steaks? Okay, that's everybody but Stu. Uh, Omaha Steaks for Father's Day. They right now at Omaha Steaks have a great special going on. It's a $235 value. You get fillets, top sirloins, pork chops. You get eight steak burgers. You get Jumbo Franks, chicken fried steaks, all beef meatballs, four premium chicken breasts. You have dessert, the Omaha seasoning, uh, uh, signature seasoning, a jar of that stuff. You get all of this $235 value for $59.99. It's an Omaha. St- what? Really? For $59.99. That's 74% off just for Father's Day. Now, this ends, I think it is uh, July 17th. But you just go to omahasteaks.com and you type in Beck into the search bar and you look for my special. Just look for Beck, type it in the search bar. It will take you to the page that has this special $235 worth of meat for $59.99. This is such a great Father's Day gift. Only from um, Omaha Steaks, uh, America's original butcher. It's the Father's Day Steak Fix Package. It's $59.99 at omahasteaks.com. Put Beck in the search bar for the special. Did you see how crazy Miley Cyrus was? She's hilarious. <laughs> She's so funny. I remember the I remember the uh, interview I did with her dad uh, when she first went to Disney. I, I do remember this. Yeah. Billy Ray, yeah. Yeah, and Billy Ray was on, and I said, Billy, <laughs> aren't you afraid your daughter is going to be with the devil soon? And uh, he was like, no, 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 because I'm going to be there with her. And I know because I've seen all these kids that go to Disney. They all turn out screwed up and leftist and drug addicts and everything else. Not my sweetie pie. God, we got to find that interview. I I do remember that general conversation happening because he was he was he was like he was concerned dad he was a concerned dad she was a good christian they were a good christian family everything was going well and then she went over to disney and he we had a great conversation and he was like no no no, i am well aware of it that's why i'm going to be with her all the time we're not breaking up our family we're going to be there most of these kids go and then they oof yeah, it's been a rough run here for Miley. It's amazing she's actually theoretically still culturally relevant. Relevant. I mean, it's right. Yeah, she, I, I, like when I saw her face, I was like, "What? She, is she still doing things?" I like, did I, the uh, same thing, and I'm no like, idea. "Oh, there's the tongue again." It's Miley Cyrus, right? I, I, that's her. 
Uh, so she licks this cake in a photo, and and it says abortion is healthcare on it, and it's you know I, you know all, everyone. It's about the level of analysis most people put into this particular topic. They see a they like a photo on Instagram. Like uh, there's not a lot of thought going on here. I just um, need to know what to put on my cake that I'm going to lick later today. And put I on mean, Instagram. probably buttercream would be my guess. It's certainly right, the way you normally exactly. go. No, I mean, you know what should the what should it say? I mean, oh, we should take some suggestions. Maybe mm-hmm. we'll, maybe we'll get one. I, I liked I, yours. What you put on uh, your response? Uh, that well, it's a picture of her licking the cake. So mm-hmm. the, yeah. the icing says this cake now has a venereal disease, right. which is unfortunate. It I, is, I uh, don't. I, it's sad. That's not it's right. Wrong. That's not wrong. 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 I, I'm 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 amazed by by this and that like abortion is a lot of things. It used to be something that we all everyone in society recognized either as evil. Or a necessary evil, uh-huh, right? The uh-huh. pro-choice side said it was a necessary evil. There's some uh-huh. places we don't we, look. We want it to be safe, legal, and rare. Well, why do you want it to be rare? What's the why rare? What's why would you want it rare? If it seems like if it's not negative, why would you want it rare? Uh-huh. And of course, the answer to that is they actually. I mean, there are a lot of people who consider themselves pro-choice who want it rare, but the people who are designing slogans like "safe, legal, and rare" say "screw rare." You know, legal Lick is the main thing. Whether it's safe or not is not really a concern either. Right, it's not. Um, so it, it's been an interesting development mm-hmm. in this kind of world that's gone to now saying either shout your abortion. Mm-hmm. It was, where did I have my best uh, uh, abortion? It was in Jamaica at, you know, at, at a resort. Yeah, or, by the way, if you don't know, he's not making that up. There, the, A lady gave a speech about her, where her best abortion was. Mm-hmm. And she was giving Seattle, it to right? a crowd. Yeah. And she said mm-hmm. it was right. It happened right here in Seattle. And it was the best abortion. It was my first. And it was my best. Yeah. Oh, my my gosh what a psycho so you have that and then the other idea that somehow it's healthcare. abortion is a lot of things one it's thing it is not is health care no, uh, you, you, health care can't be hey i want i want you to die like you can't make you can't make so ending a life into health care now especially when the person is not even there to to agree to it right like the person right. has no opinion it's one thing to say euthanasia okay well i mean is what dr kevorkian did health care i mean i don't think so but at right. least He's a doctor, and it's a medical sort of procedure. Mm. So maybe you make that argument. Well, at least the, the, those the, people the were agreeing to is, it. The person is making the own choice. I, I am not for euthanasia. Uh, I, I think it's a bad, bad standard to set. However, at the same time, I am conflicted. I just don't want the government and the medical uh, community having to sign off on everything. Because then it just becomes part of the system. And I don't like that. Uh, I think you have a right to kill yourself. Now, I come from a family with two suicides. Suicide is destructive. It is awful. It destroys a family. It, it, it harms the chi. Uh, it, <laughs> it, it, is, it, it, it is the most selfish and destructive thing you can do. And I know because it's happened twice. Um, and it, it affects everyone around you with that being said do you have the right to your own life i think you do i think it's gonna be really hard to stop people uh yeah it's one of those things that you can make a law against it if you want but well it's like the big trump baby in in europe uh, in in england did you Mm -hmm. hear what happened to it yesterday did it get uh, popped it got popped. Yeah. It, somebody shivved it. Mm-hmm. Somebody took a knife and cut a hole in it. Well, I thought you outlined. I thought you outlawed knives in in Great Britain. <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, uh, 
but what's happening now is we are devaluing things so much because it's it's just the starting point safe safe rare and legal mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. we want it to be rare well it's in the netherlands they passed a law a few years ago where you could have euthanasia and it was supposed to be safe rare and legal and it was just for people who had absolutely no prospect of getting better so you're at the end of your life you've got cancer and you're in massive pain just please just help me die please help me die now i can understand that i really can uh i hope i don't get there but i've been close to i've been close to that kind of pain before where i'm like i can't live like this i can't live like this anymore so i understand it however What's happened now is you used to have to have a psychiatrist also sign off. So you had to have two doctors and one psychiatrist, I think. And so the doctors both had to say, yep, terminal and blah, blah, blah. And the psychiatrist had to say, yeah, they're in their right mind. Okay. I think that's, I think that's probably a pretty good standard. Well, they're getting rid of the psychiatrist now because the psychiatrist is, you know, is pointing out no this person is just really depressed so they get they're getting rid of this they're getting rid of the psychiatrist so he doesn't have to sign on anymore and they're starting to get rid of people for instance they just they just got rid of a, i think he was a 20 some year old uh guy who was mentally handicapped and uh you know he said he didn't have a life and he was never going to have a good life and so he wanted to kill himself and so they killed him now, here's the, here's the latest. A teenager who was raped by two men when she was 14 said that, and she also has anorexia, and she has all kinds of problems. I mean, it's clear this girl has gone through really horrific things, okay? She's 17 years old. She said the pain she was dealing with after the childhood rape was insufferable. And she couldn't live this way. And so she decided that she wanted to be euthanized. And they did it. A 17-year-old girl who had been raped and had tragic things happening to her. She had anorexia, which is a sign of a mental issue. She said it was too much. She couldn't deal with it. Please kill me. And they did. What the hell is wrong with us? I mean, as a human being, as a human being, something's wrong with us when we don't see the potential for that life. And we don't say, no, 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 no. First of all, there have been people that have gotten through a lot more than you have. And the parents were on board with us, weren't they? Yeah. I mean, can you imagine? No. I, I, look, it's, it's, uh, it's a tough situation in certain circumstances. I understand that. But the problem here is like, like it would be unthinkable to an American parent right now to go to them and say, hey, your, your kid's in a lot of pain. They're really suffering. Uh, do, do you want them dead? Right. And of course, everyone would say no. The issue in these other countries, after a certain amount of time, there's no more stigma, right? Like, they just like, oh, well, I guess, yeah, I mean, if, if she's saying she wants to be dead and it's legal, and just go with it. That's the same thing that happens with abortion, right? I mean, people, uh, you know, a lot of people who would normally not consider such a thing 
don't go down the road of really thinking it out because the government has made the decision for them. It's illegal. Yeah, it, it's a legal thing. And it's the same thing. It happened. The same thing happened with slavery. There are tons of people who are not, you know, some of the founders, right? Like what was David Barton saying yesterday? We were doing a thing on slavery coming up for a future show. And he was saying that I think uh, about a quarter of people in that founding era believed the horrible things that you'd believe about slavery you know that they're not really people people. it was good for them they lived Mm -hmm. terribly in africa it's better here all the Mm -hmm. things that you know you would you would associate with a racist opinion about slavery from the founding era about a quarter of the founders uh believe that um you know i think of the if you went to the average person in america there's not there's not the sort of uh thought put into that in the 1700s as to like the the whether slavery should be legal or not every day they had been alive people had been slaves african americans were treated as second class citizens or 15th class citizens the entire time it was like this all over the world and unless your job is to sit down and rethink these things and challenge those sort of long-held viewpoints you never get to a point where you even consider Mm -mm. i would say a good portion 75 percent I bet of people who consider themselves pro-choice have put such little thought into it that they couldn't defend it. Right. Like they wouldn't be able to defend it. And I believe me, Uh every conversation I have with someone who is pro-choice can't defend it. You you can't get there because there isn't a defense to it when, with the exception of, you know, some people who really have like philosophically thought about this for a long time. There's some that really know those arguments and, and fall on a side that I don't really truly understand. But the average person isn't there at all. They see that it's legal. They see that what they get from people like Miley Cyrus is evil men are telling you what to do. And that's not right. So give money to these people. The nice people think of killing your baby is okay. The mean people think it's not. Therefore, go with the nice people, the cool people. That's how, generally speaking, people view this. And they always say this thing about how... Uh, you know, who can't have an opinion on abortion are men, right? This is a women's health issue. Uh, and of course, as a man, I find that can be completely offensive. Certainly plenty of women vote on things that only affect men and they have opinions on it and they should. You're an American citizen. We have a first amendment. You should have an opinion on whatever you want. The funny thing about this though, in poll after poll after poll, women are more opposed to abortion than men are. This makes plenty of sense because it's men who are able to get out of the responsibility, right? Like men don't want to think about yourself as a 22 year old schlub and you just knocked up some girl you barely know. And she's like, I don't know. Maybe I'll have an abortion. If you don't have a moral obligation to say, no, please have the baby. What are you going to say? I'll, yeah, go ahead. I'll drive it to the clinic. I'll pay for the thing. Right. Like if you have no moral qualms with it, of course, as a guy, you're going to be getting out of this, you know, this this responsibility for the rest of your life. You're going to avoid the punishment of a baby, Mm -hmm. to put it frankly. So, of course, guys are going to be more. Yeah. You know, abortion sounds pretty wonderful. You're the one you don't have to go through the procedure. You get out of the punishment from a baby. And women who are the ones only ones who are supposed to have opinions on this are actually more against abortion than men are. So. The long thing, the end of this is turning this into a cultural issue is one of the most brilliant strategies of all time. It's not culture. Slavery wasn't culture. Slavery was not a cultural issue. It wasn't about like, well, the rights of the slave owner. I mean, that was a horrific moral uh, failure. And so is this. And the fact that Miley Cyrus, who I would also describe as a horrific moral failure, (laughs) is on that side of the argument should not be surprising. Well, 
Yeah, but she was licking a cake. Did you see That's that? True. It the was really look good. It looked really good. I thought I'd put on my cake. Skanks shouldn't lick my cake. But that's probably wrong. It's probably, yeah. Okay, all right, let me tell you about American. <laughs> probably. You can tweet what should be on my cake today. Uh, so anyway, uh, June could see mortgage interest rates dropping to the lowest it's been since 2018. It's crazy what's happening. American Financing. Call them today and get pre-qualified for a home loan. It takes a 10-minute call to get started. Now, you can afford to own your own home if you call American Financing and ask them about the down payment assistance programs that can get you into a, uh, into a home for very little down. Uh, American Financing works for you, not the bank. They are going to look at your financial situation, and they should uh, counsel you, and you should listen uh, when they say, you know, this is going to put you, I mean, if you have a bump in the road, this is going to put you in a hard spot. Uh, don't do anything stupid. In fact, do the opposite. Get a loan, get it with low interest rates, lock those low interest rates, and do it with American financing. They don't take commission on the loans, so they work for you. Take advantage of these historic, historically low rates now at American Financing at 800-906-2440. That's 800-906-2440. AmericanFinancing.net. We break for 10 seconds. Station ID. American Financing Corporation. NMLS 182334. www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. So I just have to say, because we're on talk radio and this is America, uh, uh, I just brought in my new gun. I got a new gun and I have been looking for a handgun uh, that I love. And I've been carrying SIGs for a long time and it was the first gun I got. And so I'm a better shot with a SIG than anything else. But I like Glocks and I, you know, um, but I'm just a better shot with a SIG. So I always carry SIG. Well, SIG has just come out with their uh, their new, what is it, the... P320. Oh my gosh, this is the greatest handgun I've ever owned. It's a weapon of war. Yes, Elizabeth Warren is crying herself to sleep right now. Um, this thing is so great. The military is now using it. Uh, it's a uh, 21 rounds. 21 rounds in a handgun. Uh, and it is, it is so good. I have a big hand. And this actually fits my hand. Everything I've ever had, uh, especially with SIG and Glock and everybody else, my last finger comes off of it because it's not long enough. This is just the greatest gun. Out of 21 shots, 21 of, uh, 20 of them right on the bullseye. It is super accurate, super easy to use. I love it. If you're looking for a new handgun, they're not paying me to say this. Uh, and I wouldn't tell you if I didn't believe it anyway. Um, I just got this, and I love it. I absolutely love it. It's the P320. Uh, what is it? The X5, it says here, I guess. Um, but it's really, really great. You know what that looks like to me? A weapon, weapon of war weapon designed of war. to kill. That's what it looks like Well, to that's me. what all guns are for. Yeah. Yes. To kill. Thank you. <laughs> that's what they're all. Thank you for admitting it finally, you yeah. right-wing extremist. 
No, that's what you did. You hear Obama what he said on stage? Oh, we have to cover that. Do we have? We have have time to play this real quick. Play, play. Here's Obama. And uh, some of you may be aware our gun laws in the United States don't make much sense. Anybody can buy any weapon anytime. Nope, not true. The crowd seemed to love that idea. Without much, if any, regulation, they can buy it over the internet, they can buy machine guns. Machine guns without any or much regulation. Uh, No, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. In fact, I just tried to buy this pistol. I happened to be in a store in Utah. I was on my way to Idaho, and I have a Texas license, so I had to go. It took me three days to get this gun. Uh, That sounds like uh, um, kind of a problem. Kind of sounds like that was a little bit of a hassle. It sounds like there's some regulation there and some loopholes. I couldn't just walk in and buy any gun. If that's what it is for a handgun, uh, how difficult is it for a machine gun? You're listening to Glenn Beck. Oh, the lies on the guns thing. All right. Realestateagentsitrust.com. People are voting with their feet right now. People are moving. Do you know we're getting six? I think it's 600 people in the Dallas area a week moving into the Dallas uh, Metroplex. This place is getting gigantic. It is so huge now. Please leave all your crap and your voting practices behind. Please, please, please. Anyway, realestateagentsitrust.com. It's really hard to find a house, especially if you're moving into a new area. If you're moving into a new area, you got to find the right schools. You want to be in the right neighborhoods, et cetera, et cetera. Well, if you have a real estate agent, um, you know, that's the luck of the draw. You don't know who they are. Realestateagentsitrust.com are all hand-vetted by my team. They all have listened to the show. They're fans of the show. They have your same kind of sensibilities. And so when you're going into a new town, you know, you don't have to worry about, does this guy really hate Donald Trump? Am I going to have to listen to that? Or is this woman going to just talk to me about liberal stuff all the time no they think like you and you can trust them to find the right house for you real estate agents i trust.com that's real estate agents i trust.com so i don't know if you've seen netflix uh, their series uh, our planet it's documentary uh and it's david attenborough blah 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 and everybody thinks oh it's beautiful and it's got all kinds of great information in it oh my gosh these walruses are committing suicide uh there is a there is a researcher, a zoologist with 35 years of experience, uh, especially on Arctic animals. Uh, and um, she said, no, no, this is just Netflix and their tragedy porn, the climate hoax. Uh, the, I don't know if you can put your kids in front of our planet and just say, oh, yeah, watch this. It's great because it's full of nonsense. Uh, and they're they're saying these walruses are you know, falling to their death because they're starving to death and there's no ice. And it's very sad. It's awful to watch. But she said, that's not what's happening. Uh, and Susan is with us now. Hello, Susan. How are you? I'm just fine. Thanks. Good morning. Uh, so so tell me about the walruses that are, I mean, just plunging to their death because there's no ice. Well, in fact, um, the whole the whole outs of walrus, these are mostly mothers with their calves. Um, on these Arctic beaches, um, they're really natural events that are not caused by lack of sea ice. They've always happened. And the, the um, herds come on, on, onto the shore 
um, in large numbers because the walruses are more abundant now than they were even uh, um, 50 years ago. Okay, so they have, uh, they're like a boom and bust society, aren't they? When yes. they, yes. they and, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that, that they, they have a tendency to the population builds higher and higher. Um, and then, but then it out, they outstrip their food supply and then animals starve and the population goes down until the um, food supply can rebuild. And mostly they're eating clams and things like that, that live on the uh, bottom of the ocean. So what is this this haul out? Is uh, what does that mean? The haul out? Well, walruses are herd animals. They really like to um, stick together, and in fact, they really prefer to be tightly packed. And so they um, group together. The haul out just means grouping together. And so when uh, when there's sea ice available, they will haul out on the on the ice in fairly large groups. And at other times, they will haul out on beaches. And, but they don't, um, they have been hauling out on beaches since the 1800s. There's been records going back um, the, of those haul outs, both on the um, coast of Russia um, near the Bering Sea and also on the coast of Alaska. So this is a behavior that's ne- quite natural for them. And it really isn't sea ice dependent it's something that happens in the late summer and fall um, on a fairly regular basis and so they've been doing this since we've started noticing them and and recording them and they go up onto the beach or onto the rocks and they're all uh tightly packed in and and is is it just kind of like a whole bunch of you know puppies on a bed and you know somebody moves and another person moves and one of the puppies would fall off the bed i mean they're not committing suicide and they're they're just they're just so packed tightly that is that what's happening exactly exactly and and the other thing is that they um they're also quite easily spooked at that point in time because these are mostly mothers with their calves they're very protective and if if one of the animals at the back of the pack, sort of on the beach side, gets frightened and starts heading for the water because that's their natural instinct when they're frightened, then they sort of push the herd ahead of them. And in fact, hundreds of animals can be trampled even along a flat beach. But if they've managed to get themselves up onto a high cliff, then there's no alternative to, but to fall over the edge. And it's not only certain that that's what happened um, in the Netflix video, but we know from um, reports that were um, issued in the newspaper that there was an polar bears had actually spooked walruses off the same cliff that was filmed in that video two days before it was filmed. So wait a minute. So wait a because in that film, it shows all these walruses down at the bottom of the pile of rocks. And you think, oh, my gosh, they're just they're just all dying. And I wish there was just an ice slope there to just gently push them back in the water. But you're saying not only is it normal and natural for them to go up on the rocks and then have no place to go but over the cliff. But you're saying that that big pile was also partly caused by polar bears and them up at the top of the cliff going, oh, crap, oh, crap, oh, crap, and backing up over the cliff? Yes, 
Absolutely. Oh, and, my gosh. And because, yeah, and because we know that there was this incident that was um, initiated by polar bears um, that happened just two days before, we know that most of those um, animals that were filmed, um, the carcasses, our carcasses laying along the beach, um, almost certainly happened in the from the polar bear spooked incident and what we think happened was that there were members from um world wildlife foundation or um the wwf who were on site at the time and part of the whole netflix team called that the film crew in to come and film the walruses oh my up on the cliff gosh and so it was really a whole contrived setup. And in looking at what was happening, we know that there were still polar bears in the area. I've seen the film. In fact, the closing shot shows a polar bear coming out of the water onto the beach to feed on the walruses, the dead walruses. And But when you're looking at how the, the whole footage was shot, um, there's a, a, a cameraman positioned just about at the place where the walruses could have come safely down from the cliff, but that was that way was blocked. And if there were still polar bears in the area, they could have been coming up from on the backside of the cliff, or at least the walruses could have smelled them. Even that would have set them off. What we also know is that some of the shots in the film had to have been taken with a drone. Now, even a drone flying overhead could also have spooked them. So we've got a situation where the filmmakers themselves this is could have been complicit in, um, in generating at least the walruses that filmed, that fell, that they filmed. And then they attributed all of that to a lack of sea ice blamed on climate change. So how much of how much of these series, because my son watches them, my daughter watches them, I've watched them. And there's times when I rolled my eyes and gone, OK, but I like I didn't know all this about the walruses. How much of these things can we even sit down and let our kids watch and trust that it's true? Well, I think really what the only thing that you can do is let your kids watch it. I mean, it's beautiful photography. It's beautiful. It, it, there's no, there's no doubt that it actually is. Um, you know, parts of it are true. I mean, the haul outs are true, but you, you have to take the commentary with a grain of salt. But you also have to be prepared ahead of time to talk to your kids about the fact that everything that is said there might not be true. And hey, maybe we should follow up. And look into this, and they've said that this this is why this happened. Let's go and look up to see, you know, what the background information is on that. And I think that if parents are prepared to follow up with their kids um, and to look into that, that um, I, but it, I, it makes it a learning experience. Susan, I, I got to tell you, I you know, they don't have access to a zoologist like you, like I do, uh, and... You go online, I'm sure WWF and, uh, uh, you know, and all of these global warming um, institutions have have rushed to put things out that say it is true. 
I mean, how do you know what's true? How, how do you know what a trusted source is on actual science anymore? No, well, that is true for sure. And but what you can do, I mean, it's one of the reasons that I've been blogging about polar bears since 2012, and that's to actually make sure that the Im- information is up there for people to find on the internet. Now, people might say, well, how do I trust you? However, what I do is make sure that I list the sources where I get my information from so that people can follow it up. But at the very least, when there's information like that available, you can say, oh, okay, well, there's two sides to this story. This person's saying this, this person's saying that. Then maybe I have to leave that any interpretation um, up in the air and just say that it can't none of it can be trusted and and that's really uh, an awful place for science to be in hmm. okay uh, Susan thank you so much for being on with us um, we really appreciate your time her name is Susan Crockford uh, she is a zoologist and author of the book the polar bear catastrophe that never happened uh, you can read her article. Netflix is lying about those falling walruses at the Financial Post. Uh, and her website is polarbearscience.com. That's polarbearscience.com. Crazy. Just crazy. So did you see yesterday the Fed, because everybody's freaking about freaking out about the trade war with... Uh, with China and now Mexico next week. Mm-hmm. Um, did you see that the Fed actually has reversed itself and said it looks like it's going to start maybe dropping rates? Yeah, that's not that's a that's not a good sign. Admitting weakness in the economy. Right? Yeah, that's not a good sign. Um, uh, and you drop the rates and, you know, that's just going to produce more cash out there, more debt. It's it's that's not a good thing. May I suggest that you call Goldline? Uh, we are coming to a place uh, where everything's about to change. And I don't know how long it's going to change and how long it's going to take, but uh, it, it's it's about to change. And uh, the financial situation, if we got to pray for the president and his team that they do the right things and they, they keep their eye on the ball on this, um, but eventually this this house of cards has to come down and we'll go through a recession or something. And it's just it's just the way it is. Goldline would like to remind you that these things are cyclical and there are things that you can do. There's a reason why gold is having the month that it's been having. It's having a very good month because people start to say, wait a minute, I don't think this is I don't think this is all so sound. Right now, Goldline is offering a four-coin collection from 1881. It's the $5 Liberty Coins from the U.S. This was, you know, these were done in 1881, but, you know, in the middle of the 1800s, this is what most people had for cash. This would be like a $5 bill. These are not worth $5 uh, anymore uh, because we've inflated our money. Gold is... Not you know it it uh, it just remains the same, and what you could buy with one of these pieces for five dollars back in eighteen eighty one is about what you could get for it now and buy that same kind of article uh, for the equivalent of eighteen eighty one five dollar bill. 
These coins were the ones that made it through the Depression. If you had these coins, you could still hold on to them. Uh, they have Lady Liberty on the front, 13 stars around it, the uh, eagle uh, from the United States on the back, and they're all clearly marked 1881. Please consider looking at these coins, especially if you already have gold. These are the kinds of things that I buy. But if you, even if you already have gold, these are a good investment, in my opinion. It's Goldline at goldline.com. You can call 1-866-GOLDLINE. Read your own, info, you know, your, own, your own stuff. You're smart enough to figure this out. Don't listen. Don't take my word for it. I invest for a different reason, and I buy these coins for a different reason than maybe you do. Find out all you need to know from Goldline and Goldline.com. They're waiting for your call now at 866-GOLDLINE. That's 1-866-GOLDLINE or Goldline.com. Hey, um, so President Trump just landed in Ireland. Uh, I wonder if he said, oh, top of the morning to you. Look at the sun. If the media would be as kind as they were to Barack Obama. Oh, I think so. Immediately they would say that was a very solid Irish accent. Yeah. Yeah. And approve it completely. I've got Donna Shalala with me. What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he's uh the the coverage of this is so I mean they they just it's all about like the balloon. There's a balloon of Donald Trump in the a fact, diaper. I love the fact that that balloon was stabbed. I love the fact the person came up to it was like, he's the greatest president ever, yeah. and then stabbed it, ripped a hole in it, and so it deflated. Yeah, it's actually interesting because, you know, usually Republican presidents are not at all popular anywhere overseas, mm-hmm. um, and Trump is not at all popular in London, mm-hmm. but in the country, generally speaking, he has a lot of support. I mean, because remember, half of this country voted for Brexit, and basically every world leader said they were terrible, except Donald Trump. Yeah. No, he's he's with the people. He's just I mean, it's just like Ronald Reagan. It was the same thing in the way it was. I remember in Ronald Reagan, Ronald Reagan would go to England and he was hated. The only thing was, is he had uh, uh, almost said Theresa May, um, Margaret Thatcher, who they hated as much as they hated Reagan. So right. it was the two of them going, I don't really care. Yeah, Theresa May care, cares, I guess, or she wouldn't be stepping down. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's sad for her. Yeah, I'm and they so they just like highlight every little thing. They're like, the gift from Theresa May was a document about the founding of NATO and other oh, U.S. Organi- or, or global organizations. It's like, I, why why I is hope, this even a thing? I man? hope Boris Johnson gets in because he is he's just got enough Trump in him that he just doesn't care. I think his hair kind of is like Donald Trump's hair, too. And he may be the next prime minister, which... He's the favorite. Yeah, I mean, guys like Donald Trump are are very popular with people who are sick of the media and the typical politician. I don't care where you are in the world. You're listening to Glenn Beck.